Hi, everyone. Welcome to the inaugural edition of the Memory Machine podcast, a spoke on the wheel of the Geekiverse Media Network. My name is Nathaniel Lockhart, your host, and we're going to talk today, we'll talk every week, hopefully, about a different mm-hmm. pop culture and media topic uh, and ruminate on it for yeah, roughly an hour. Yeah, an hour? Okay. We shall see. Yeah. Well, that was... Introduce yourself. Oh, hello. I'm Seth Zielinski. I am a, I'm a mainstay of the Geekiverse. I do video stuff. I don't shut up about PlayStation, and uh, and I'm I'm glad to be on this brand new installment of the uh, Geekiverse oh, Audio okay. Network here on the Memory Machine. Glad to be with you. And who do we have to my right here? Uh, I'm Drew Burke. Drew I, Burke, who I, the blue hell are you? I've never I, even heard. Well, of you. you know, you know, <laughs> I, I'm pretty guy? popular in my own circles. But that's only choir directing. So, ah, you know, if you're not hey, into... Hey, you'll get your chance to plug at the end of the show. I'm just saying, right? if you're not into formal classical choral music, you probably haven't heard of me before. Mm-hmm. Uh, ah. But if you're Nate Lockhart, mm-hmm. I'm your brother-in-law. And Very true, isn't it? So yeah, I've had hey. plenty of nerdy conversations to like vet me for this mm-hmm. topic tonight. I'm ready strictly by virtue of conversations with Nate. That's true. The un- unorthodox mm-hmm. audition process, but... It worked yeah. out, didn't it, Nate? Yeah, it did. Yeah. It did. So, yeah. so first episode. Uh, yeah, the first episode, you know, I had a thing uh, I was going to do like uh, this week uh, in uh, geeky, nerdy history. Yes. But didn't do it. Uh, because well let's because what just we imagine. Well, That's let's a great imagine. way to start this. Yeah, isn't it though? <laughs> well, September, there's a lot of things that happened. This will be releasing in September. <laughs> so imagine, let's say... September. Look, look Pick up a year. If, if, you, if, if you're right. if you got a computer nearby, look up September 1990. Pick a cool thing. Uh, insert it with your brain here. And next week we'll do it. Wow. <laughs> or that I can look cool up something thing. right yeah. now, perhaps. Yeah, you can. Okay. We'll, That's a cool uh, we'll, we'll thing we'll that out, I learned uh, about your, right now. Your search while okay. you're doing it. So September of what year? Uh, 1990. Know, September of 1990. Why don't you just look at the Google image for the day and see what they're talking about? Yeah, right. <laughs> or who died? Who died today? Deaths in September 1990. That's a great Hi, everybody. We're back. Uh, uh, our good, our, our friend, co- our friend and colleague, scholar Cecilinski, nice and uh, Drew Burke helped us out to find some good things that happened this on this date. And uh, well, one big one on this week in uh, specifically video gaming in 1990, we had Mega Man Three come out in really, Japan, right? In Japan, yeah, in Japan, not here. Introducing Russian Proto Man. Mm-hmm. Two big fixtures. Not Russian Proto Man. In case you're <laughs> no, like, no, 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 no. In yeah, case yeah. you're like me and have but, never played the Mega the Man games. the overtones of the character are there. It's red helmet, red wow. cape. Think about it. Ooh, he yeah. is the Ivan Drago to Mega Man's what, what, Rocky. What's the conceit with Proto Man again? Like he's like his brother or something. Yeah, yeah. Brother. He was like the yeah, the model that was made before him, and he was and he's used for evil. But he's Proto-type. like he's like an anti- he like kind of. <laughs> He's yeah, like he's go. like the antagonist that becomes like a reluctant yeah. or a protagonist. Yeah, he's like a, it's complicated. Yeah, but yeah. he's kind of a, he's Mega Man's brother. But Mega Man Three was one I never I never finished that one. Many say I, it's I the best. It. It's the best of the NES Mega Man games. It's Mega Man Two. It's it's it could be better. I don't know. I, I kind of like Mega Man Two better, but um, uh, Mega Man Three is more challenging. Mm-hmm. Thing. But, oh yeah, uh, it is. Anyway, so yeah, Mega Man. I wanted to talk about the premiere of uh, the Leslie Nielsen uh, Exorcist <laughs> spoof, Repossessed. 
starring Linda Blair and Ned Beatty, but I was uh, overruled, so I guess we'll just move on. Well, hey, you know what? If you if if you don't know, kids, Leslie Nielsen was a uh, was a was a uh, once serious actor, then turned comedian late in life, and he was in a few good ones like um, you surely have heard of naked gun Naked gun was good yeah. airplane I have. was good airplane. but don't call me shirley ah! yeah oh! and um and you know the police squad squad tv series is great too yes. if you've ever seen that yep uh but Precursor then uh later on they uh he made a lot of crappy ones mm-hmm. and uh the blind community them... really hated him after mr magoo yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> honestly that's yeah, that, that a real is thing that, that is the truth uh yeah, gosh there's so many of those bad ones do you remember yeah. those was spy hard bad i never saw um spy hard, i but... recall there's Dracula Dead and Loving It was I don't know if I would say it was terrible, but there was um there was one I always saw on the store oh, shelf. Yeah, um two thousand one uh space oh, oddity or yeah. like so no, that's not two thousand one a space oddity is not a Leslie Nielsen film. That is no, a, the, the, no, the, the, no. There, a real film. Like that. There is one like that though. It's like it's some kind of a yeah. play on that, and it also has the the woman from Kingpin and the jock from scary movie who is like who is like one of the friends yeah. who gets killed yeah from the first scary movie, movie. Yeah. i know anyway, none of there's... these things yeah i just ran a google search on my computer and found that wing commander came out in september okay. 1990 well that's good too yeah i don't know anything about wing commander do you guys <laughs> no i didn't uh, know anything about Mega Man mark hamill was yeah. in one of the wing, I, guess wing was, I think yeah. free and think malcolm free. mcdowell as well yeah that's right that's when you had a hard time finding work but yeah, in case, uh, in case you, yeah, you know, Repossessed was just another one of those Leslie Nielsen garbage movies. Anyway, yeah. moving on to the topic of the day. Topic of the today, day, topic of the week, topic, topic of the, of the week. week. Yeah, yeah, depending on how often this comes out. Mm. Uh, today, I thought it would be a good uh, topic to kick it off with, with a pre-crash or like pre, pre-crash would be like 1983 or pre-NES, Nintendo, Nintendo Entertainment System, mm-hmm. 1985, pre, pre-that time. Of video games because that's something All that's right. very near and dear to my heart. It's sort of like my first really uh, big nerd love was, yeah. was those old video first games. First love in general. I mean, it was. It's true. Yeah, it's I true. think I think it's safe to say that video games were were your romantic interest for your early uh, childhood. They were. They were. Yeah. You know, I, I saw Super Mario Brothers being played when I was three years old, and it just from then on. But anyway, I thought it would be a neat idea if we. Um, that's how I became a Bob Hoskins fan. Dang. Th- oh. <laughs> So pre-crash, how, 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 would, how that would warp your brain? <laughs> yeah, I played this game. It wasn't anything like the movie. Mm-hmm. What a terrible game! I know. Where are my boots? Um, so yeah, so we're talking pre-crash. So we're talking probably most famously Atari Twenty Six Hundred, your home computers, your Intellivisions, mm-hmm. ColecoVisions, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah things like that. Uh, your early days of the Commodore computers, uh, TRS-80, and get other junk. Yeah. Chances are most people, as you say, Atari 2600 is what most people are probably familiar with pre-crash. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. I am, yeah. There is, a, there is a lot more than that that I know I've never played. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. There's a ton of those things. Bally Astrocade is another, another one that comes to mind. Fairchild Channel F. Uh, too many Pong consoles to name. It just goes on and on and on and on and Sorry, on. These things. Take us to the Genesis, if you will, Nate. To the no, not, <laughs> not the right era. Not the right era. I thought you meant like pre the, Sega crash. No, this is the this is we're, we got to put on our Coleco Visions and get, <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> ah. I, I cut that. Cut that. Cut that. I don't listen to many podcasts, but I hope most of this gets cut. It'll <laughs> <laughs> be five minutes. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I was you know let's let's start from the beginning. Let's start from the beginning. When is the beginning? 
when is the beginning? Well, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. <laughs> the Word, the word was, was with God. God. All word right. Was God. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, but video games sort of started like mostly as uh, these college experiments. You know, these experiments you mm-hmm. see on like you know technical colleges, like I don't know MIT or something like that. Um, there were some very early ones. The, the the big one that people tend to bring up is sort of like the Genesis point. At least these days, mm-hmm. it changes from day to day. But these days, it's probably going to be Willie Higginbotham's uh, Tennis for Two, mm-hmm. which came out in the late fifties. But yeah, uh, Willie Higginbotham uh, developed Tennis for Two, just sort of as just uh, kind of a lark almost, just to see that. Just to see if he could. It was a simple little thing done on an oscilloscope. He kind of bounced a little ray of light back and forth. Um, and uh, it means so, so little was thought of it that after it was exhibited, it was quickly dismantled for parts. And nobody thought of it until much later on in the 80s. But anyway, I mean, from there, you also, the other big genesis point for the beginning of video games is often Space Wars cited from uh, 1963. Mm-hmm. Steve Russell came mm-hmm. up with that. And and uh, yeah, that's a that's a fancy one. It's played made on a PDP eleven or a one. I don't remember. I think a PDP one. I don't know what that is. It's a mini computer, size of like three refrigerators. Um, An interesting yeah. side note. While you're on that, my yeah. my mother has a degree in computer programming from Alfred. Yeah. When she had to. Like, oh yeah, you were telling she me. She had this. to do punch cards and feed them to the machine so it knew what to do. Yeah. My mother cannot operate a DVD player. <laughs> but she knows how to she knows how to work a hollerinth punch card. Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. She actually never touched the machines while in college because yeah. they were too expensive. She just touched the right. punch cards. Well, yeah, because like in those days it was just like one or two computers per school and you had to like wait for your thing to get processed anyway. It's 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 uh that's pretty crazy. But but the first um well, I don't know, there are some other like sort of you know, you know, we don't really know where to really pinpoint the genesis of video games really does it start with electronic games as a whole or does it start with well that's uh, something that when i was reading up video games yeah reading up on this a little bit came up with what interested me was the idea that a video game by technicality would mean using an actual video you would have to be this this you know, and right. we're talking about going through a tube system. Right. So using like a, a CRT modern, or a, a right, a modern yeah. LCD screen by technical statement isn't a video game. Mm-hmm. So if the modern ones, if that's just a name and a term that's adopted because of functionality, well, sometimes you have to retroactively apply that too. And so, you know, the earliest thing that a lot of people consider a video game, if they're just talking about... Um, an intelligent machine mm. that responds to your input and is used to play something. Uh, there was a there was a machine made in 1912 that was an automatic chess machine uh, made by a, a Spanish man. Hmm. Jeez. 1912. <laughs> 1912 would be the first video game if you're it being ele- super broad. It, it, it couldn't have been electronic electronically ran was it It was fully it was uh, there were two machines that came before it that, that had human input to do it okay but this was fully an automaton an autom- oh okay so we're talking like like almost going back to like the french style yeah uh, yeah basically hugo mm-hmm. automaton kind of a thing um that's fascinating that, that's completely fascinating and, it, and you know there's there's other little things too like i know there was something in like the 40s that ran on something mm-hmm. where it played like a game of uh tic-tac-toe well yeah that was called um like the brain something no no it had two it had like one. a male and a female name it was called like betty and betty and benjamin or something like that some, yeah. some odd name but at the same around the same time came out one called nimrod 
They played the game Nim. Yes, yes. And uh, and that I but mean that you, to but me. But it didn't use video though. It used you like, did not use video. Yeah, right. right. It was not a video scenario. Um, and that to me um, really speaks to sort of what is interesting about a video game in general. The idea that and, and something I would have never thought of before I was doing some reading for this podcast is that the what we call a video game is just a basically a a machine, a thinking machine that responds to us, right. responds to our input, but in a fun and playable way. Yeah. I know that seems like a weird thing to have never known about a video game. Right, yeah. Because mm. I just think like, oh, you jump up, you hit the block, you do whatever. Right, you know. right, right. But it's, but, you shoot the alien. Yeah, but what yeah. makes it it is the fact that I have this inputable, uh, this inputable aspect and choice, mm-hmm. and a machine responds back with its choice. You know, right. the tic-tac-toe machine, for example has to respond to your choice. It can't right. just, if I put the middle block, it can't try to put the middle block. It has to think. It has to process. It's a computer game. Right. In that sense. Right. And I wonder if that sometimes may be a, sort of a more accurate term to call it a computer game. Well, a lot of things that sense. I was reading call them just, you know, electronic games or, or yeah. computerized or automated or whatever else. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. But, uh, I mean, what the, oh, sorry, were you going to say something, Seth? Nope. Okay. Not. <laughs> okay, good. Just listening. <laughs> good. Uh, but but following these college experiments, there were, you know, there were people who kind of got the idea and said, hey, you know, we could make money on this if we somehow reduce the cost by about, you know, 10 grand and mm-hmm. and whatever. And so you had a couple of very early attempts. The earliest uh, I can remember looking at is there was a, an attempt to do like sort of a CRT game early on it was never actually developed they were just sort of designed most people probably won't know what crt is a crt a cathode ray tube uh it's uh what is inside your old tvs tv that's why why you might call hear them called a tube tvs because it uses a crt um which is uh I, i won't bore you with the details of how they work but it's fascinating to look them up they use electronic yokes to control an electron beam in a vacuum. Anyway, too many um, is really yeah, yeah, right. wild. Look up <laughs> yeah. them yokes, people. Yeah, yeah, look it up. Um, but uh, but so, but, the, but the first big attempt, yeah. I, I I would venture in in my my research that, that I could figure out was Ralph Baer mm-hmm. made some experiments in the '60s. Yeah, and uh, you know came up with a game where uh, the entire screen was red, and you had to push this like you know, toy uh, fire pump to turn the whole the whole red screen to blue. And mm-hmm. whoever could do that the fastest, you know, you take times. So like, mm-hmm. this is very simple. This isn't keeping yeah. score. This is... Uh, but, but the one thing that he really seemed to uh, hit with was sort of the concept of tennis. So you had mm-hmm. two little blocks, two little white blocks that would uh, go up and down and left and right initially. I mean, mm-hmm. you and I have played the Odyssey yeah, uh, that's and right. a ball that goes between them, mm-hmm. and you can make up different games with that. And sort of the, the first major foray into into that was the Magnavox Odyssey, as developed by Ralph Baer. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we 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 tinkered with one of the Midwest Gaming Classic. We did. Remember your um, experiences with that? Um, it was. Uh, I mean, there's only so much you can do without having a lot of the supplemental materials there. Oh, right. the, the screen, screen overlays, overlays and your your, yes, your we, man, manuals. We, and, we should say that yeah. too that, that that it came with cellophane overlays. Yeah, but, but instead of having on it. actual elaborate gra- but didn't and we, game pieces like poker chips, yeah. and things like that that you could use with it. But yeah, speaking wild. of Ralph Baer, didn't at the Midwest Gaming Classic didn't yeah. they have what was it that exhibited kind of behind? Oh, glass, his original his, one of his original prototypes the, for the machine, the brown box, brown box, mm-hmm. yes. the brown box. So. And that was before mm-hmm. the Odyssey, precursor to the yes. Odyssey. Yes, yeah. yeah, that, that so, was his original prototype for that. 
So yeah, we um so that was great to finally I had never seen an Odyssey yeah. in person before, so that was a treat. Yeah, but it doesn't keep score. It uh Correct, you, you yeah. have to it gives you a little score pad and you have to write your score on it. It's mm-hmm. like love in that way. Sure. You have to write your you have to write your score, score. down. Oh, does it keep score? You have to write it down yourself oh. to bring it up later. Right, bring it up later, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah it is like right, love, yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Remember, but, flip, 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 two weeks ago yeah. <laughs> when I beat you 14 to 15 <laughs> at uh, Odyssey Pong. My, actually, um, my, my students, um, yeah. uh, as I say, I'm, I'm my choir teacher, my students would take their lunch in my back room, and this will you know, come up later in terms of uh, stuff that I had in Atari back there, and hmm. they would keep their scores written on a sheet oh, on the wall. Like, that's wonderful. Yeah, in the back room, I in the back it. room when I they had their it. lunch break. But uh, but yeah, it, and there was another weird thing about the Odyssey too that it had the so it has like a, a vertical knob, right? Yeah. So you can move your paddle up and down. Oh yeah, and then a horizontal knob. So oh you yeah, can move your so paddle you know, left you, and right. it's like so it's like yeah, it's like yeah. pong. You go up and down, but um, but yeah. Besides the fact that you can move your paddle left and right all over the place, are you are you, are you saying that you can oh, move you, the ball? You can move the ball. There's, the a, there's something the ball. called an English knob, which when you which mm. when you have just hit put the ball, some English on you it. put English on the ball. And yeah, you can just sort of wiggle it so around it's basically whatever. yeah. So you're just playing pong. You're just you got it lined up for the shot, and then some crazy stupid bastard named Nate <laughs> just makes the ball veer around you like right. the Matrix, mm-hmm. like a like a dang sine wave. To yeah. note, um, Nate's not actually a bastard. No, I know his dad. No, it's not. It's not a bastard. <laughs> not a bastard. Um, we broke that barrier. Um, but uh, I just felt that we should bring that up. Mm-hmm, yes, but uh, so what do we what do we have after but, that? But then after that, so, so that's actually more complicated than you might think. You know, adding because because what most people think of when you say pong, or when you say you know early video tennis is you think of Atari's pong, mm-hmm. and that is the thing that really broke through. They tried earlier with Computer Space, which was sort of an arcade version of the Space War game from earlier, but it was too complicated for most people. It had like, I mean, for now it would be nothing, mm-hmm. but for back then it was just too much for people to get their heads wrapped around. But a simple tennis game like Atari Pong, people knew that. You there's could draw something... an allegor- there was an allegorical uh, comparison you could make. There's something really interesting to me about Pong being really one of the first successful in-home games, mm-hmm. or even just that for you know, as yeah. you say, the one the Eddie Odyssey Arcade. game. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the as I say, those early games that played the tic-tac-toe that did things like that. Mm-hmm. That's one person versus a machine. What we saw yeah. in the early things that might be a predecessor to video games was the intelligence of the machine to respond to your input. Yeah. What you're seeing in the first successful gaming console that people are bringing into their house, you know, mm-hmm. or at least I'm I'm, I'm guessing in as much se- with in Paul. In 75 is when the home version came right. out. Right, but 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 yeah. with that first idea, it's still person versus person. Yes. At, at the very least is an option. I mean, was there an option to play against the computer? Uh, well, it wasn't really the computer. Well, is, sure. Is, is what it was. What it was is you made it a one-player mode where uh, the... Just it turned into one giant paddle wall that you kept playing against. Okay, so okay, so like yeah, it, be- it became handball, right? Yeah. But but just but that idea that the first real appeal was not, oh wow, I can make this machine do something interesting. It was I can do something against you mm-hmm. from the comfort of my couch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or or at the bowling alley. You yeah. Know, whatever it was. Well, and and one of the things that I seem to have understood from doing some reading on this is that the 
real appeal in video games came when people had things like buttons, joysticks, control in that way. It wasn't inputting information because it's mm. almost like a chore or a task, you know? Uh, mm. I think about like early dungeon crawl games that I've played where mm-hmm, I have to think mm-hmm. and type and work and, you know, versus yeah. just like, We're gonna talk I about smash these later buttons, on. I, talk I about move those. this control. And yeah. that seems to be like the, the real initial boost in video games from what I can understand mm-hmm. comes when that happened. When the control is literally a control. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know how to pull oh. that up. That's all right. I'm, well, I'm just thinking about like the putting yeah. the English on it and everything. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. The, the, yeah, the fact that it gives you you know a, a real sense of control instead of just sort of yeah. too much in the case of the Odyssey where it almost mm-hmm. doesn't even, to, to the point of it being moot. Yeah, you yeah, control yeah, yeah. you control what you need to control, you control yeah. what you want to control, but you yeah. don't just control every... I mean, it, it would yeah. be like taking a video game from today almost if, you know, take the technology of the Odyssey where you can control too much. It would be mm-hmm. like taking, a, you know, um, uh, one of those shooter, first-person shooter games, and it's like, you know what? I want to walk up the side of this hill. I want this hill not to exist. I want yeah, to be right. able to fly. Yeah. I want to, yeah. you know, it's just mm-hmm. at what point do you lose the game Right. because mm-hmm. it just becomes a, a, an exercise in abusing the system. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. when you have such finite parameters, mm-hmm. is interesting. But when the parameters become broader, mm-hmm. well, that's not a game anymore. Yeah. So and that's one of the... But yeah, besides the technology of it, it is working out the systems and how the player will interact with this mm-hmm. and how it'll make for an engaging game that... Uh, yeah. Very... very a, li- a little in the weeds. Maybe we can get yeah. to that a little later. Oh, sure. But, uh, but, but yeah, so, so, with, so with Pong, you know, it, it brought video games to, to people in a real big way. And video games sort of slowly began to grow as a as a medium, let's say, to a point where, in uh, I mean, you know, you get like for instance, you could get a home version of Pong in the mid '70s, and that was sort of a nice novelty thing to own. It wasn't something where it was something you could become obsessed with it the way that you could be today. Um, at least that's not until probably starting with in the late 70s with Space Invaders in 78 which correct me if I'm wrong but wasn't it wide open mm-hmm. oh sorry yeah, I cut you off no, you I, can no, say that I, again no, so I, it's I, not I would say Space Invaders just blew it wide, wide open it, it all of a sudden just said no video games are here and it's it's beyond a novelty act and correct me if I'm wrong but isn't Space Invaders essentially a strong variation of Pong Pong begat Breakout, yes, yeah, you, you which absolutely I'm sure you, you probably that. played Breakout without knowing you played Breakout. It's the oh, one sure. where there's the bricks on the top of the screen. It's on cell phones, and yeah. then the, even early like Nokia phones, and yep, the yep. ball pops up to the top of the screen. You have to knock out the bricks at the top. Yeah. In essence, Space Invaders is the same concept, but you control the direction of the shot instead of letting the ball bounce where it will, mm-hmm. and the bricks are moving towards you. But it's well, well really... that was the that was the original designer's uh, uh, attempt. Is he saw breakout? Is like, well, what can I? What if they could get back at you? What if the bricks could get back at you? Mm-hmm. And that's Space Invaders, and uh, hmm. it's 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 an inversion on Breakout. I never thought of it that yeah. way. Yeah. I've always personally been far more of a Breakout fan than a Space Invaders fan, but oh, Space Invaders that's so a really interesting way to think of it. There's yeah. a piece of Space Invaders that that is was brand new, and it was the idea that the stuff is moving towards you. You yeah. had mm-hmm. a limited amount of time. And you shooting could, at you. Right, and yeah. shooting at you. You could yeah. play Pong forever. Yeah. You could play Breakout. I mean, if you were good at Breakout, well, then all you had to really do was track your ball when it got to the bottom of the screen. And if you mm-hmm. got used to the angles, the physics was pretty decent in Breakout games. And like you, you can, Yeah, you can watch those angles and go with it. It became sort of a point where it was just like, eh, okay. Whereas Space Invaders, mm-hmm. suddenly there was a, a challenge outside of yourself. 
Mm-hmm. You you knowing the physics was the only challenge in the other games. Mm-hmm. Mm. Things shooting at you actively while you dodged and moved and had to manipulate and they moved at you like that. Yeah, that's a game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. And that was a big, 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 big smash hit. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, usually there's a urban. You know, you're sure you've heard. Some of you may have heard the urban legend of the yen shortage in Japan. That was not true, but. Uh, I've not. But, but, I don't but even know what Japan is. <laughs> it's a country way far away. It's, mm. it's not. It's not even in Buffalo. Did Do they you know enjoy that? when missiles are fired over them? <laughs> they will love it. Oh, they boy. want more of it. They like it. Uh, they, they like it if it. North uh, Korea is being uh, a bit of a space invader themselves. This oh, way. Oh, hey, oh, hey, we hope you hear this podcast and we're not destroyed before. <laughs> and, and, and the podcast. It's done. The, 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 the pun one. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean that, and and that set just sort of the arcades on this uh, upswing, a, a big upswing, mm. rocketing into the stratosphere. Yeah, and at the same time, really, as Space Invaders, you had the growth of home consoles and home computers. Seventy mm. uh, six was the first home console as we understand it today, with the Fairchild Channel F that mm. used cartridges. Um, uh, it, it was the first one to use cartridges, and they mm-hmm. were interchangeable, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they contained different programs, and you could sort of create endless new software yeah. for these machines. And uh, part of that means that the machine had to get advanced enough to accept a software program, yeah, versus just mm-hmm. as you say that feed well, it's card, a, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it becomes a small computer, right? The, 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 the cartridge itself has to have the ability to interpret the information and spit yep. it out again, yep. versus just a card that's telling it what to do, yeah. And the microprocessor was a big, 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 big part of that. Microprocessors were becoming cheap and available in the mid '70s. Um, so you had so the big one, obviously, that broke through was the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, which we all know. Yes. And love. Yeah, we all yes, love the Atari. I yeah. do. Yes. I love the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. I have mixed bag on feelings it. I love about it, it that I'll are share we, later. Okay, great. Are we? Yeah. Um, but oh. uh, what's that? No, no, no. Go on, go on. Um, but uh, but. But so you had that, uh, you know, something, something like the Atari 2600 and a couple years later, the Intellivision mm-hmm. coming out. And you also had computers, too, Yeah, uh, that were coming out. Things like, uh, let's see, late 70s would be the Apple II in uh-huh. 77. You would have the TRS-80 in mm-hmm. 78, I think. And uh, 79, you had Atari's line, Atari's own line of computers, the 400 mm-hmm. and the 800. Mm-hmm. Uh, four, 400 for 4K memory and 800 for 8K memory. And these came into the home as well, and and these sort of took video games off into at least super generally. This is a giant generalization, but this is a really short <laughs> capsule review of history before we go to mm-hmm. the other part of this. Mm-hmm. But um, but but very generally, uh, arcade games sort of begat these fast action. Uh, you know, shoot 'em up, fast movement kind of a thing. Really reflex-driven sorts of games. Yes. And uh, the home consoles and home computers really allowed a growth of m- a more methodical approach to video games. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would get things. So you know, obviously in in the, the arcades, you get things like uh, Galaxian, Space mm-hmm. Invaders, shoot 'em ups, mm-hmm. uh, Space Panic, Scramble, a ton mm-hmm. of these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and but. On the other side, on the computers, you would get, some, like I said, more things that are more methodical. Things like uh, uh, Zork or Mystery House, which were adventure games, you know, text adventures. Uh, in the case of Mystery House, a text adventure with pick with you know pictures. So I guess it's not a total. That's text the one adventure. with the knife where you gotta, gotta find the knife and take the 
I is that Mystery idea. House? It, I remember it, playing it has in pictures. The, I remember it had on the pictures. Apple II. Was it on the Apple II? I don't think it was Apple II. I don't think it came out on anything else but the Apple II. But or if it did, I'm wrong. Don't tell me about it. I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all this but, home uh, computer stuff is a bunch of nerdy PC master race stuff. Yeah, if you ask me. Woo, Atari was, 800 yeah. forever. <laughs> NTI 99. Thanks, buddy. By the way, are you unintentionally saying you support the master race <laughs> of PCs? <laughs> oh, okay. um, um, let's clarify, please. Well, I, I have a question. You know, it seems like yeah. you just blocked a lot of history into one chunk, which is okay. Like, well, yeah, well, that's what I was figuring. Real, realistically, should only be like an hour to an hour. Well, no, and no, half. no, no, no. Listen, here's the thing. Here, when I say you, when you uh, you made it in one chunk, to me that speaks to the nature and development of video games in a sense. Mm. Right, and that's something that I'll bring up later when we talk about you know just the concept of a modern game. But once you made the machine that did the job, yeah, at that point you were just tweaking it. Like yeah. I said, with Space Invaders yes. and, and 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 you know Breakout. Nowadays, I mean, I I built a website using Wix in ten minutes mm-hmm. because all I did was basically drag and drop. I didn't need yeah. to do HTML code. I didn't need to do mm-hmm. anything. And it's almost like once that happened, once you got mm-hmm. a codified concept. You could just start cranking them out left yes. and right. So 100%. the innovation, the creativity started to come in storyline. You know, later we're talking now in, in more yeah. advanced stories. But mm-hmm. but but even with well, that, the late seventies and eighties. Well, yeah, but stories. even even a mythos of a storyline in a mm-hmm. sense. You know, Wizards of War had oh, Gar Wars and Thor Wars so and a wizard, and you had to and and they weren't real things. Like they were just different sets of pixels that showed up on the screen. Sure. But when I fight them, I start right. screaming like, "There, get that, get that Gar War, oh, yeah, get that right. Thor War. There's a wizard, you know." Yeah. Like, and, and so it's it's honestly just different sets of pixels it means nothing there's no it's actual story there's no writing you just call up dots on your screen but when i read the manual right. for the game suddenly there is a mythology because now we've gotten past what can the machine do and we've gotten to what can we tell how can we entice how can we engage how can we mm-hmm. make you want to play this game instead of that game quick aside uh with wizard of war uh, you should check it out it's a great game um and i'm going to say right in here I'm going to splice in the voice effects because they're super creepy. Anyway. From the arcade, from the arcade version. From the arcade yeah. version, yeah. Yeah, yeah because they're great. <laughs> well, and that's something interesting, too. Arcades, once you have more than one machine in your local pizza place, mm-hmm. I imagine, I don't know this, but I would imagine the sounds start really getting advanced because you need to draw people oh, to yes. your machine. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you come to a point early on where like what we think of as like cheesy, weird video game sounds, that has to attract you to that machine more than the machine next to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, you say that with cheesy effects, but even at the time, like in, in the late 70s, uh, there's the sound in Space Invaders when your base gets blown up. It's, it's this great, like, deep, bassy... And by bass, I don't mean B-A-S-E, like your bass that you control, but mm. B-A-S-S, like this really deep rumble explosion sound that's really effective still to, to me to this day, especially when you're at a real machine and you can sort of feel it coming up, you mm-hmm. know, from the machine and into you and you're like, oh, I lost. Like it's such a, <laughs> such a defeating mm. but still really impressive effect. And it's interesting that we're talking about so much of this... Uh, um uh, the, the the Atari and and these old arcade games. Although we didn't really quite grow up with that era, we kind oh, of no. um, yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Like, you know, we're all kind of round about like thirty ish, yeah. and um, so we all kind of came into these things 
past their their actual eras you know we didn't grow up in the 70s uh so it, yeah it's kind of and we, we'll get into that a bit later oh sure yeah it's kind of interesting yeah, that memories. we uh, we're not children of the 70s or even children of the 80s really but uh yeah we yeah. all came in contact but with these aren't we Mm. Uh, I feel I feel like I'm a surrogate child of the 80s, uh, yeah. 80s right now. Yeah. I love Miami Vice too much to not be. Yeah. Well, a lot of that stuff too. I mean, you can go into this deeper, but a lot of the culture, you know, it doesn't just go away once it's introduced. It hangs yeah. around. So so people like it was Nate there Lockhart, for us to who's get like into a Steve it. Rogers man out of time, who's just right. attached to particular arrows in the past. Yeah. <laughs> but realistically, it's no different oh, than true, a, but I, Like who I'm sitting next to as well. These two I'm men out of time. I'm a literal yeah. time traveler. Yeah, yeah right. Um, <laughs> I've seen the pictures. But it's no, it's no different, you know, than a Renaissance festival in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, the attraction. Nate and yeah. I have talked about a lot why we have a real distinct appeal to the '70s era. I mean, we're recording this right now in uh, in my house, which if you were to walk through other than the television, you'd probably think it was 1972. Yeah, I mean, Which I posted a pi- I posted a picture from our uh, recording of this on our Twitter, and uh, it indeed does look like that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so but there is there so so the idea of really being attracted to a certain time period, I think, speaks to what that time period has to offer. You know, and, and for me, the, as I say, when I was reading this, I was enamored with the earliest things pre-video, the yeah. automatons and things like that. The, the, the idea crosses computer. And, yeah, the yeah. idea of what man, not what man, not what story he came up with, not what art he came up with that you see in a modern game. What he was able to make machine parts do, the fact that man made a machine think, mm. you know, that was that was the most amazing part of all of this. I remember mm. that this is getting on topic, but into a totally different era. The moment it hit me, the power of a video game's potential, I was playing mm. Banjo-Tooie, and you had to stand in a certain spot when you turned into a dinosaur and hit the A button to roar at a gate to make it open. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so the machine knows, this little cartridge knows I just transformed into a dinosaur, walked back to this exact spot, hit a specific button on my little machine that it read different than any of these other buttons on my machine. And that's the moment I realized the potential and the capacity for video games and what Mm. they could do. But that was already existing, as we say, as early as the 40s and and earlier. Yeah. Mm. It it was there. The kernel was there. The the idea that that this could be done Mm -hmm. was really early on. Yeah. Um, But, but yeah, so so with that, you know... uh, so, How about, are we, uh, yeah. I can't believe you. <laughs> Drew Burke is messing with the notes so much with me, and it's just there to make me laugh. God, I should, we should have printed these out so we couldn't do this. But anyway, um, so so with so with this, you know, come the rise. Uh, so then comes the fall. Uh, mm. With video games becoming more and more popular, more mm. people got into them. There was sort of a big, big boom. Mm. But the thing is. Is that it was a it was very uncontrollable. Mm. So we're talking early eighties, right? In the early eighties. Mm-hmm. So as we're getting towards like 1982, 1983, amidst the buying public, anyway, let's mm. say, because I know uh, I've often heard you know kids from that time be like, oh, I don't know, there was a crash. I just kept playing video games. Yeah. But in terms of the buying public, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, they they did sort of notice that there were things like big big failures like et for the atari 2600 mm, which yeah. is arguable whether or not how bad it actually is if you read the manual and you right, kind of realize because right. a lot of people would just plug it but anyway it's a whole other topic mm. or 
or really the, the, what I think is that the big one is seeing Pac-Man on the 2600. Mm-hmm. Pac-Man for the Atari 2600 is garbage. Yeah, I it don't. It looks nothing like the arcade. I'm a big Pac-Man fan. Probably the Nintendo game that I played yeah. more than, uh, well, Legend of Zelda. But other than that, Pac-Man's probably what I've played the most. Mm. Yeah. And then when I saw it for my Atari, I was like, oh, sweet, I'm going to buy that. And yeah. I was just so disappointed. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought like, oh, cool, an earlier version of a game I really like. Yeah. Mm. And instead what I got was you know just fodder yeah and, and that was sort of the idea at the time because there was a big build-up for this for pac-man is finally coming to the home and we can play it on our atari 2600 mm. we don't have to go to the arcades and then you see that yeah i mean then realistically you, then you hear the bonk 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 the it's concept awful. the concept was the same yeah i mean if you've never played pac-man on the atari don't don't confuse it to think it's a different game it's no. the same game. It just it's supposed to be anyway. The, the charm, the character, the yeah. the what really draws you into wanting to play that game was gone. Mm-hmm. And instead, what you got was sort of a husk of the game. It's like smelling the food instead of eating the food. And, you know? and, and before any of you at home get the idea that maybe that just wasn't possible in the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, uh, I w- just look at Miss Pac Man coming out the the next year. It. Uh, it does it all, oh, sure. they all and more. They didn't take the time to do no, it. No, they didn't. It was the rushed idea, down to like what? Like six weeks? Yeah. The idea, and I think this is the big thing that people ignore with what we call the Atari dump, is yeah. they, they attribute it to bad storytelling, bad design, bad... And well, bad design is true. But Shovelware. Bad, but, but, but yeah, they, they, they contribute it to basically just trying to make too many games for yeah. the system based on pre-existing properties and things like that. But part of it... It's a game people uh, well, will buy. It. All of it really was just they were so desperate for money. They yeah. wanted to make so much money yep. that everything that had existed up to that point, the love and the time and the effort, though as you say, that, that game that's just pumping red squares off a screen. Yeah. I would never want to play that game. But it was made because yeah. of a desire, an earnest desire to be able to do that. Right. The appeal right. was in the ability to do it. And once mm-hmm. it was able to be done. Well, now let's just do it as fast as we can. You look yep. at any trend that pops up at all right yep. now, fidget spinners. They it went is, from, it is hardly unique. Yeah, they yep. went from being something that you were going online and buying for 15 bucks to like anything mm-hmm. you could pick up at a dollar store anywhere. It's mm-hmm. just cranked out garbage eventually. Mm-hmm. And well, they were always garbage fidget spinners. A- another yeah. big thing, too, in regards to uh, the, the uh, this sort of crash, as, as, we, as it's wont yes. to be called... Uh, as people stopped buying, the buying public, the buying mm. adults, would stop buying uh, video game consoles for the kids because they would think, well, why would I get a video game console when I could buy a computer that mm. does games and also stores my recipes and balances mm. my checkbook, wasn't which there, they really never used. Wasn't there also <laughs> kind of an oversaturation? There oh, were too heavens, many yes. consoles. Too there many were consoles, do- too many games. Which is something that, you know, it seems like, you know, that, yeah. you know, from a certain perspective today that we have you know, a, a few consoles, you know, between Xbox and, and PlayStation and, you know, yeah. uh, you know, you know, back when Sega was on the market and things like that. But it, yeah, uh, yeah it doesn't compare it to how many consoles and how many bewildering oh, was... choices there were back then. And it was so much harder to be informed because we didn't have yes. internet resources and things like no. that to know what was or good Or even was really bad. a cohesive, I mean, there were some video game magazines, but they weren't, I don't know how popular they actually were. Yeah. I don't know what the sales numbers. It certainly so, wasn't Nintendo Power a few years later. Yeah. Seth just said you know seven times in that sentence. Did he? Yeah. Did count I? them, folks. Can we get a count, please? <laughs> get a count. Somebody <laughs> comment. If Drew's wrong, uh, I get to cut all the rest of his hair off. Oh, great. Oh, man. <laughs> Ooh, man. There's Thanks still so much. 
but, so, uh, but that but that is another contributing factor to these, yeah. the video game crash, right. as we call it, of 1980. Well, yeah. as you say, the idea of competing systems again came out to make money and capitalize on right. the idea it, it was wasn't like too soon. it wasn't i want to put out a new system because i have an innovative and great and beautiful idea it yeah. was what's a different way i can make money yeah mm-hmm. which i mean i mean that isn't always an idea that that tanks an industry um i mean there's certainly enough of that going around the video game industry now which is an industry that is is thriving more and more mm. but um at the time in in a, a new medium so much in, in its infancy um there were there were yeah just a lot of mistakes made a lot of a lot of companies trying to get in and uh not a lot would you say not a lot of just proper handling of uh yeah. between marketing and finances and just, it's it's just it it just became too big yeah too, so then too big so to the fail, video game industry didn't. tanked and then what and then after that, am I correct to say that uh, Nintendo and Sega rose from the ashes? Maybe, Mostly but that's Nintendo not the topic. Yeah. So not we the don't topic. care. I don't care about that. Yeah, so, that's so true. But that's I, want, that is where I want to end with the death and destruction of video games. That is yeah. where the story ends today. There yes. is no savior. The world is dead. <laughs> this yeah. is this is like this is like in the movie version of yeah. Lord of the Rings, where you get yeah. to the end of the second movie, and they're just like staring at Mount Doom, and then the credits roll, and you're like. Well, when's the next one coming out? Yeah. Like, what? Well, I... Yeah, well, and that's where we're leaving you. This is the two towers. <laughs> yes. This is for podcast. <laughs> well, but what do they do now, you know? So, yeah. Well, too bad. Yeah. So that is the so, history. So, 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 so that is the history up to the point that uh, we're going to be talking about some of our memories and our favorites and things like that uh, after this word from our sponsors. Yes. When it comes to video games, nobody compares to Atari. I find in television more sophisticated and lifelike. Gentlemen, move over for my friend Vic. The Commodore Vic 20. Move over. The Commodore Vic 20 does more than your machines. It's a great computer that also plays great games. Like this, and this, and this. A computer that plays great games? Under $300. Exactly. We We didn't know. Hey guys, it's Bruno 1.0. If you'd like to listen to someone who's actually talented at what they do, subscribe to the Geekiverse podcast and listen to Geeks Talk Wrestling. We cover Raw, we cover SmackDown, and we cover every pay-per-view. We keep it short, we keep it simple, and it's just for you, the geeks who know who the true money is. Magnavox presents Odyssey, the electronic game of the future. Odyssey easily attaches to any brand TV, black and white or color, to create a closed-circuit electronic playground. Odyssey gives you all the exciting action of hockey and 11 other challenging play and learning games for the entire family. Odyssey, a new dimension for your television. Now at your Magnavox dealer. He's listed in the yellow pages. Before we get to your regularly scheduled programming, I want to remind you that we have an email list that you can subscribe to for free and we won't spam you. And you'll get constant geek updates right to your inbox. Check it out on thegeekiverse.com. All right, let's get to the show. Guys, are we back? 
We're back and better than ever. We're back. The dinosaur story. <laughs> oh, I remember really liking that, and then I watched yeah. it in college, and I really didn't. Like yeah, it. yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Well, it's just screw eyes. Me, and this will come up, I guess, later in my experiences with old video games. But like, without a real story to hold me, that was fine when I. Excuse me. <laughs> that was fine when I was a, a little guy, but like now I'm like, eh. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. I don't know. Dinosaurs talked. That was kind of cool. And we're back. But that's not, but like they did in real life too, though. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> anyway, so we are so, back. Um, we are back. We are back, but I am including the we're back discussion as part of this podcast. Just one of there that, for right. posterity. <laughs> um, all right, so we're back from taking a little break mm-hmm. to have some water. We Take, gone through the, the history of console gaming. Yeah, and beyond. gaming, to be fair. Yeah, and yeah, yeah we, it was pretty nebulous. But uh, hey, that's fine. That's what we do. Generally, here. going up to the 1983 video game crash. That's what we do. We have fun. We yeah. have fun here. Yes, um, that's true. But uh, but I wanted to ask you all, mm-hmm. and also wanted to ask myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the what, uh, what, uh, what? What were your first memories of some of these older games? Well, for me personally, um, I really didn't, uh, when I was growing up, I didn't really play much of anything that was pre-1983. Mm. Um, I vaguely recall uh, some Atari 2600 stuff from when I was a kid. Um, mainly the, the game Hero, for some reason, that mm. H-E-R-O, the acronym, yeah, the guy with like the game. helicopter thing. I I, for game. some reason, I always remember that one being around yeah. and, and playing that one. But other than that, it was pretty limited, and I didn't really get too into that era of gaming until the past few years, like after college, um, I gained an appreciation for it. Uh, I know certainly going to college with you, Nate, helped oh, yeah. with that. Um, oh, yeah. D- d- ushered that into our, uh, into our worlds big time. Uh, and also... Uh, me and Nate are also big uh, Cinemasker fans, you know, Angry yes. Video Game Nerd, James Rolfe, and uh, uh, the James and Mike Play series that they he has on his uh, YouTube channel. They did a, a great four-part series uh, a couple years back on the Atari 2600. That uh, and that, that, that was another thing that really got me more interested in Atari and uh, also turned me on to the short documentary, Once Upon Atari, produced by Howard Scott I Warshaw. I haven't seen that. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, sure. yeah so you get to know just kind of what that environment was like and everything and uh anyway that was uh th- that was kind of my experience it wasn't until really very recently that mm-hmm. i got in, in interested in all this which is very different from you as i understand it because you oh, yeah. did grow up with some of this I, I i did i did yeah. we had um we had a tandy 1000 when i was very young did jessica tandy develop that uh, no, no no uh this uh tandy 1000 was a a uh, an IBM PC clone uh, of the time. Uh, made had, by Radio Shack. Uh, yeah, yeah, made by Radio Shack. You're right, Tan- Tandy was that brand. Wow. And, Which at the time, like, we say made by Radio yeah. Shack, and now they're all closing. Like, we think that's weird. No, it was but, ubiquitous. Man. Yeah, yeah Radio Shack really, really meant something. Have you, yeah. If you own any realistic mm-hmm. audio in your house for any reason, that's Radio, Shack, Radio Shack, like, they really mm-hmm. did have a lot mm-hmm. of good stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, and Tandy 1000 was a great computer. We still have it. It still works. Yeah. But uh, I remember uh, very, very vividly, my dad had several video games, different uh, copies and versions of these different video games. Most of them were clones. They weren't really the real deal. Like I remember a, a, a clone with, uh, I think it was called Pac-Man P-A-C-K. 
man. Was it about uh, hoarders? No. <laughs> it was just a really slow Pac-Man clone with a green background and the ghosts were pink. Was it about... Because it was CGA. Was it about Green Bay? No, it was not. It really wasn't. This is. I'm telling you, this is a cheap did Pac-Man you, clone. Was, I'm it, out was of a, it not on the shelf? Did you have to like ask for it? It goes behind the counter, yeah, that right. kind of Pac-Man. I'm yeah. out of inappropriate <laughs> Pac-Man jokes. <laughs> <laughs> or appropriate, I mean to say. Yeah, can, I, yeah. can I get the weird Pac-Man? <laughs> the, uh... <laughs> yeah, man, we got regular Pac-Man or we got like... The other kind of Pac-Man. I'm sorry, CGA. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have why, assumed yeah, why, a racial voice yeah, when I... Uh, why is your deviant character Latino? <laughs> no, yeah. I was I was specifically picturing oh, that butters. one fella who shows up in all the movies and always plays a bad guy. I don't know his name, but you know the Danny guy. Danny Trejo? No, not him. Oh. The stout fellow. Danny Trejo? He was, no, no, <laughs> He's no. not stout. The, yeah. por- the portly it? one who was in Journey 2 with The Rock. Oh, that guy. That guy. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yep. But um, sure. so there you go. So now it's not a, a profiling of a, of of a specific. No, it was it was an Im- it's impression, a of, a specific impression of a specific character whose name I don't know. Yeah, but, that's all right. but anyway, uh, but yeah. So we had that. My dad would go to he, he, there was a, a bulletin board through his work, where well a BBS for those of you who don't know was sort of a dial-in online er internet sort of a thing, hmm. uh, where my dad would dial into the BBS and was able to download or have his work friends download the software for him. So, but the one that really leaps out in my mind was one of these pieces of software he got from his friends through a BBS. And it was Donkey Kong. And he had it on, uh, we still had the disc. Uh, It has on it, uh, misspelled, Dunking Kong. (laughs) D-U-N-K-I-N-G. Dunking Kong. It's, wait, is this, a, MV, is this a movie MVP? But yeah. as a... Uh... <laughs> with a gorilla? <laughs> That's what your dad thought it was called? Airbud with... No, it's not what my dad thought it was called. It was the... Well, the guy who uh, typed up the label for him. Because he was, he, he was just downloading... He was sort of the guy who would just download these things off of BBSs left and right, so he just typed up the label. And he's probably fast. used to typing up real inappropriate stuff if his buddies are all having probably. him download things. Like, probably. He finally got to Donkey Kong, and he's like, that can't be right. But yeah, but yeah, so we had a pirated version of Atari Soft's uh, PC DOS port of Donkey Kong. And that, I remember that, that fascinated me, that, that grabbed me. Um so, so that the, the port was officially an Atari port. It was that we stole. You okay? I just <laughs> yeah. want to be clear. I just want to be clear that someone didn't steal it to make the port. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. It, it was Donkey Kong by Atari Soft, and uh, you know it had this was a Tandy One Thousand. This had uh, VGA. It didn't have the Tandy One Thousand specific graphics that some games had. This was uh, this had the uh, great old red, green, and orange CGA. And uh, I just remember watching, just being enthralled by the, the story. You know, it, it sort of evoked King Kong, and I loved King Kong, and uh, I loved Mario because I had seen Super Mario uh, Brothers, and it's and it was something I drew pictures of. It was because it just it sat in my mind, it sat in my brain. Um, I I remember that very well. Watching my dad play that a ton. I never wanted to. I was too I was too scared I'd lose too often, so I just watched my dad play, and. Uh, I also remember, or I should say my dad more remembers, uh, my mom being really into Space Invaders at the time, uh, to the point where she would start playing like in the early afternoon, 
and keep playing until it got dark, but she didn't bother to look up around her. So it would just be like her off in a corner with the computer with like the glow, the <laughs> black and white glow of space invaders lighting up, light, lighting up the room. Did she look like the joystick, the licking. poster for Poltergeist? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, in other news, Nate's, she was 30. Nate's mother was actually the last starfighter. She <laughs> was. The true life story of her. It's true. If you haven't seen that, look it up. Oh, it's great. It's, it's actually oh, pretty fun. I love that yeah. movie. I love that movie. I got it on huh? tape. I really want it on Laserdisc, though. Because um, that would just be a perfect Laserdisc movie. Yeah. But yeah, so I I mean, that was sort of my first exposure to that. Okay. But um, yeah, I continued through the years uh, just loving those old arcade games uh, yeah. to the point where some of my first adventures in emulation in the late 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, downloading PCAE, which was an Atari emulator for like 486 computers and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, you're a man who who started in that era and only advanced to a certain point. You you yeah. won't go into modern gaming really much. Not really. I I'm interested by it and yeah. I like to hear about it. Yeah. But I seldom participate in it. Yeah. For good or for ill. Yeah. Um. But but, uh, uh, but yeah. So that that's and I just started collecting it like yeah. in the early 2000s. And when I was mm. 13, I bought an Atari 2600 from Best Electronics, mm. refurbished. No. Came in, man. I still have that machine. It works. Oh, wonderfully. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one we played in college. Oh, so, yeah. Warlords all day. Oh, day. Warlords. Drewby, Drewby, Drew. How about you, you, you? <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry. Oh, <God. laughs> my, my earliest video game memory is super cloudy. But to be fair, my earliest memories in general are really young. You know, whenever people talk about how, how old are you, like how old are your first memories, mm -hmm. I specifically remember being the height of of the bottom of the refrigerator door handle standing up. Hmm. So, like, this must have been way back. Yeah. You know, so I was probably two, maybe three, and I remember my dad getting out from under, up in my parents' bedroom upstairs, uh, underneath where he had the TV sitting, which was one of those great TVs that you had to flip the switch to turn on, and then you crank, click, 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 oh, click, yes. click. Oh, uh, yeah. You'll probably hear a sound of that in the opening for this. Well, yes. there you yeah. go. Yeah. And he would pull it out from under there, and, and my memory tells me it was sort of a light yellow color, the machine itself. Hmm. And it plugged in, and all I remember, all I remember is that there were colored lines on the screen that you seemed to control the direction of. I don't know if it was a game, I don't know if it was drawing pictures, I don't remember what it was, but I almost remember like very thin individual pixelated lines and a few colors moving mm. around the screen my mother yeah. told me that a woman from our church had given that to us that that's where that came from and because my parents don't throw stuff out i'm sure it's in the top of our barn i just need to find it one day uh but i don't mm. know anything about it beyond that but that's mm. my earliest memory of a video game in our home were, were you, were, were, was i talking with you and you were suggesting it might be like a tandy color computer i think it was probably a tandy color computer yeah. and i asked my dad and the re one of the reasons i think that is now would that have used cassette tapes yeah okay i found two boxes full of tandy cassette tapes oh, new yeah. blank cassette tapes yeah. um that i used to record my college um music practicals on but uh yeah. <laughs> my flute tests and stuff <laughs> the um that, that's my earliest video game memory. The same woman from church also gave us uh, something that went on our... Now, our first computer we didn't have, I think it was 1993 when we got it. But mm -hmm. she gave us things like to make your own paper airplanes or design mazes, things like that. I remember playing early games of Parachute. I don't remember mm -hmm. where, I just oh, remember yeah. that. But my first... Is that the one where you shoot down the... 
the guys in the parachute? You're trying to shoot down one thing and catch something else. Okay. I mean, my, my yeah. earliest strong memories of video games were NES. We used, yeah. to, have a, we used to have a drugstore called Farmore. As with, with me, to be right. honest, my besides father, the, the computer. My father would bring home video games from Farmore that he would rent, uh, and we'd, we'd play through, you know. But but my, my first Atari memory was actually a little older. I was at a Cub Scouts Halloween party, and we all had to make different games. And you would pay the ticket, you would play the game, you'd win, you know, whatever. And my buddy Rick, <laughs> bless you. Excuse me. My buddy Rick's father made a cardboard, um, like, console for an, uh, for a... Um, for a, a arcade style game, uh, put a TV in it, like a little shell. Around yes, it. that's cool. And he put in that. an Atari with the game Stampede. Oh, and so despite yeah, the fact so that good. I had vastly quote better games at home, I was fascinated by Stampede. Yeah. And so when I was maybe twenty or so, twenty one, I found an Atari at a garage sale, and it had Stampede amongst other games. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I have to buy this. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that was really, even though it was just sort of a random one-off thing, and I knew I had a better system. I mean, I had I had Nintendo, Super Nintendo, NES, all that. So I never had any non oh well, Sega Genesis. Mm. But I wasn't into non-Nintendo systems. Um, I, I wanted that Atari when I saw Stampede. Yeah. And so I bought mm. that, and I would leave that, as I say, in the back room I mentioned earlier of my of my classroom. I had my back office, and sometimes kids would come up there for lunch or where they're waiting before musical practice started. And so I hooked up the Atari as just sort of this, like, fun, enjoyable thing they wouldn't normally have a reason to play, yeah. kids who now have PS4s and whatever else. Yeah. And so it, it sort of took on, um, I don't know, it was just a neat novelty in that sense, I guess. Yeah. That that's really awesome. You're able to do that with the kids like that. I I, I can't imagine what their what was the reaction to that. Um, like I, I mean, again, like I sort of exist out of time to them. Yeah. Okay. So it's not. <laughs> so it wasn't accepted. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. weird that like oh, this old video game system is in your room. It was just like, well, that yeah. seems normal. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like an appropriate thing for you to have. <laughs> I mean, but did they enjoy it? Yeah, they seem to. I mean, I had a brother and sister pair who would hang out in there a lot, and they would play against each other. And um and and sort of vie for high scores on. Uh, um, oh yeah, you were saying earlier that they would keep high. Yeah, scores they would write like, it on the wall. That's too cool. And you know, but again, that's I had I had cool. um you know I'll get in later. You want to know some of our favorite games? So I'll, I'll tell you then. They some of their favorites were some of my favorites. But yeah, it was just uh, again, it was a neat memory for these kids. Mm. In the same way that Stampede really hit me in a weird way around age probably nine. Yeah. Um, you know, seven to nine in there. You know, I think that the Atari hit them in that same way. They heard about it, they knew about it, they knew it existed. Yeah. But why would they play it? Right. So this was right. sort of that uh, that their their memory in that way. Yeah. So do you? So so do you? Would you say you play these sorts of games today? I actually gave away my Atari in the oh, back yeah. room. The reason That's being, right. I, we sort of had a clean up and, 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 and we shifted some stuff around. So I gave it to the custodian at school. <laughs> uh, so he has that now. Uh, he's a big video game guy. But, you know, I stopped playing Atari and, and really any game sort of like that. I used to really like Pac-Man. And I think one of the reasons I stopped is because I just have a lot of stuff going on in life in general. Mm. And those older games didn't have the beautiful art, the storyline, the wonderful music. They mm. were... For all, you know, uh, to, for lack of a better term, they were time wasters mm. to me, the way that yeah. I viewed them. Yeah. I didn't view them as I'm I'm exploring a gorgeous world. Mm. I didn't view them as I'm being transported to another place through symphonic scores. I viewed them as this is a fun thing to do while I'm wasting time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I appreciated really 
what to me was unique features of it. Like when I think about games like you know Air Sea Battle, where oh, you could yeah. where you could you could hit the <laughs> you hit the the reset button, you get a different game. Mm. It's essentially the same game. I mean, it's yeah. basically the same game, but it was different enough. You know, the, the, yeah. the, 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 my buddy Derek, who is the custodian who wound up taking it home, he came over the one time and we were playing it, and we played through like 20 different versions of whichever yeah. battle game it was, tanks or whatever. Yeah. You know, we played through all 20 versions just because it was there to play. Yeah. So there were really neat features in the Atari that I still appreciated. Yeah. But to me, if I was going to spend the time, it wasn't going to be on the older systems. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I see. What about you, Seth? Um, yes, I, I still do. Um, not as frequently as I, gen- I generally play more modern stuff I mm-hmm. keep up with. But um, I definitely maintain... Uh, yeah, I still, I still... I do have a 2600... That I bought, uh, you know, uh, within the past few years. Um, yes, uh, currently I I do generally keep up. I, t- I tend to keep up with uh, modern stuff more frequently, but uh, I do play twenty six hundred stuff on occasion. Uh, I you know I, g- I generally try to explore uh, past video game eras, uh, you know, more. So I uh, yeah I have an Atari twenty six hundred. Uh, my collection of games was totally wiped out when I donated them to <laughs> James Rolfe. Uh, yeah. I, when his merch guy at didn't this show way, up. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I don't he, know what that means. He uh, merch guy? well, no, James, James Rolfe. Rolfe. Oh, okay. James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd, was at Nickel City Con, and he was supposed to have a bunch of merch to sell there, but the, somehow this stuff didn't end up showing up. So me and Nate uh, kind of donated some some video game stuff for him to sell, so he didn't come all the way out there just to uh, yeah. you know not be able to make any money. Little so things he could sign all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So all his Atari. So all his Atari games. He autographed them and he sold them off. So uh, what year was that? That was this year. So if you bought ago. a video game from the angry video game nerd. You bought one at, of these yeah, two the gentlemen City video Con. Games. Yeah, it, yeah was, it could have been. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, if, if you went to the Nickel City Comic Con and you bought a video game from James Rolfe, it was one of ours. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, it, I mean, yeah. it was, you know, it was given to James Rolfe, so it was his. Yeah. But before that, it was ours. Yeah, right. Just so right. you know. So, if you're one yeah. of those people, drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I've been building up uh, that, you know, I just have the, the 2600 with uh, joystick and paddle controllers. Uh, but also, I uh, there were a couple uh, uh, really good uh, Atari compilation volumes that were released on PS4 and I believe on Xbox One as well, called uh, Atari Flashback Classics. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they each have it's two volumes currently that have like twenty to thirty games each. They have a lot of Atari twenty six hundred ports, but also a handful of arcade ports. Mm-hmm. And um, so those are really good. I know generally playing arcade games and Atari twenty six hundred games on a modern controller be, can be kind of spotty because uh, you know, especially you got something like uh, you know one of my favorites like Super Breakout that um, you know really yeah. is like if you're the, the best way in the world to play that game is the original. You know, either an arcade cabinet or an old controller with the right. paddle controller. At the very least, one of them. With, with that tactile, right. you know, with, you know, with that rotating controller yeah. that with th- the real that, potential with the knob that yeah. is the best way to play it. Um, so you know, generally with console ports, you play it either with the D pad or with the analog stick. Although on the PS4, the PS4 has a 
a big touchpad. Yeah, a a little touchpad that you can actually use on games and on Breakout. You can use it actually for a touch control, and actually it makes and you can that that game is uh, is really good because you can kind of combine different controls so you can like uh use the touchpad but then if you want to jump to a larger direction you can use the analog stick so you can kind of like like go back and forth between different control mm-hmm. schemes on the fly like that and it, it actually makes those games uh much better to play than they have on uh previous console ports so yeah. that that's that's so th- those those imagine. are the means of which i play um pre-1983 games and pretty much all i play is atari 2600 stuff so from, from the older stuff yes yeah. Well, as for myself... And what about you? Yeah. Uh, well, I have a lot of stuff. Um, I do play these games a lot. I, I yes, still you do. do frequently. You play them with your son. I do. <laughs> yes, I do. I tried to show him. I got a... Uh, I remember I, I found a, it, a, was a Radio Shack TV scoreboard, is what it's called. And mm-hmm. I tried to show him Pong, because I figured this is a simple game. He's two and a half. Um and I showed him the controller, and I said, "Look, you you move you move your little guy, you move the little paddle up and down." And I moved the controller, you know, to, to show him to try to show him that how the two correlate. But instead, he tried to reach up to the screen to grab the <laughs> paddle. Yeah, and I was like, "No, no, no, no! You you have to you have to move it like this so you get the ball." And then Teddy tried to grab the ball from the screen, <laughs> so it was. He'll get there. And to be fair, Teddy is a very smart baby. He is. So him doing that, like. Yeah. While it might seem silly for him, a, a, him, him, him pulling this Abbott and Costello, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was probably yeah. actually just mocking you. He could be. <laughs> he could be. He's a he's a smart little Dickens. Um, but yeah, no, I play yeah. that. I mean, I have a bunch of stuff. I, you have, I, yeah, you don't. I have an Atari twenty six hundred. I have a Commodore sixty four. I have an Atari eight hundred. Most importantly, you have a. Vectrex. Oh, I do have a Vectrex. Oh, yes, you do. That thing is sweet. Yeah, oh. I do love the Vectrex. Although I haven't touched it lately because I want to get uh, new capacitors put in it. Well, to me, the and thing I'm nervous. That's interesting... I'm nervous about it. I don't want it to break. You know, without going into a ton of history on, on old video game systems, because if you're interested in yeah. any video, I mean, you can look up online a whole list of video game systems right. and just read up on them and learn about them yourself. But the cool thing to me about the Vectrex, and tell me if there's other systems that have it, the TV... It's like oh. it's it's like a TV VCR combo, but it's a TV video game combo. It's all yep. one unit, mm-hmm. and you actually put plastic overlays on the screen. That's my earlier video game memories. Oh, you now remember, I remember, you remember seeing a Vectrex? I don't, I don't remember if it was a Vectrex, but now that I'm talking about this, I remember games where you overlaid plastic onto the screen for some reason. And mm. I remember a pole position type racing game. Huh. And I remember something else. You put the plastic on the screen, and then you played within the plastic. My school had one. Huh. It had a memory match game on it that when you would flip over, it was only a green and black screen. And when you when you got certain matches, it would play the song, Jeepers, Creepers, where'd you get those peepers? Yeah. But all in like a bing, huh. bang, bing, bong, yeah. ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And it would be this blinking thing. And I loved going to, I was in, I, I want to say fourth grade, but that's too old because we had a computer before then. So it must have been way younger. Must have been mm. like, must have been like kindergarten. We'd go to the computer lab and we'd play this game. And I loved the memory match. Yeah. And I remember only in the vaguest terms taking a plastic cover and putting it on a screen and you played the video game within those confines like there was a maze and you would move through the maze almost like you did on an etch-a-sketch etch-a-sketch you have screens that you put on the front of etch-a-sketch and you tried to draw within the maze or you draw dot to dot on the etch-a-sketch it was Mm -hmm. that but a video game and vectrex sort of to me uniquely does that same thing yeah yeah uh, in in a certain sort of way it sort of doubled as like extra graphics uh although the game still pretended that they were there you know they 
that uh, like for instance like the pinball game is sort of weird and abstract if you don't have the overlay to let you know like oh that's oh, supposed yeah. to be this yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's what this is supposed to be yeah. not every game is like that Vectrix is really cool so it, the... has, it has a built in vector monitor is what it is oh, and that's what should... makes it different from mm, any other video game it looks completely system. different from... it's the only one like it because it's video games use pixels uh, yeah. they use pixels with Atari and they uh, right. use pixels well, they now they use the, na- the normal raster screen yeah, of a CRT but vector graphics look completely different it's, and, it's it's what you would see in, like, if you saw an original Asteroids cabinet. Yeah. Or the original Star Wars arcade re- game. Really crisp. It's all, like, lines, really bright and crisp and clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting Beautiful. to imagine an alternate reality where well, instead, instead of, yeah, instead of pixels. Yeah. yeah. But, uh it's a beautiful machine. I love it, and uh, I love it so much. I'm not playing it right now. Yeah, <laughs> because because I don't. I I, I got to get new ca- I got to get new caps on it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I got that. I have a ColecoVision, which I love. Uh, yeah. I buy. There's some hobbyists that make games for it still. So. Oh yeah. I buy those. Yeah. And you have something that was really. This is what sort of inspired. So so audio is my main interest in this uh, arena of technology. Yeah. But I visited Nate once before we were brother-in-laws, brothers-in-law, yeah. when we were just regular friends. Yeah. And uh, and I visited him <laughs> once, and he had a really unique thing. It's uh, it plugged into your Atari, but oh. you hooked up a cassette tape to yes. it. Yes. Which is, I didn't yeah. realize. I didn't ever think about the idea that saving music on a cassette tape was essentially the same as saving data on a cassette tape uh-huh. in the way that like a modem goes or in the simpsons plays you know play that funky music right, yeah. um, <laughs> but i didn't yeah. think about that and, and essentially you play this cassette tape mm-hmm. it plays a series of sounds the computer interprets those sounds yep. and, so, and like that has like that that machine that atari machine has sent me on a whole like expedition for what can i save onto audio files yeah and then call up on a new computer i just think that's the coolest yeah. technology yeah it, yeah, if you didn't know that, kids, uh, let uh, let uh, let us. Uh, well, we're not old, old yet, right? Uncle Nate no, is an old not. man. <laughs> let, let your I'm fun, the oldest your fun one. Uncle Nate I'm the oldest you. one in the room, and Uncle yeah. Nate is probably a hundred years older. Oh than God! <laughs> oh no! Um, but uh, but but yeah, if you don't know, kids, I uh, used to be able to store data on cassette tapes. Uh, it would transfer data in the sound form. And you could record that onto tape, and you could play it back into the machine, and the machine would store the data that you played into it. Um, and the machine that uh, Drew was talking about is called the uh, Starpath Supercharger, and it was a cool little add-on that you could get for the for the Atari that would uh, for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred that you would uh, plug into it, and it had an audio cable coming out, and you could load games into it through a tape cassette. It was just, it was such, I'd never yeah. seen anything like it. I'd never thought about the concept. Yeah. I mean, that was probably the first thing that made me think about the medium of tape as being anything other than tape. I took mm. it for granted. I think most people do. Mm. You put the tape in, the tape records the sound, the tape plays the sound. Yeah. But the sound could be a lot of things. Yeah. I led me on a really, like, deep rabbit hole uh, yeah. of learning. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah. No, it, it is fascinating. So, to me, like, for me, who never had to rely on it as a data source, mm-hmm. it's an amazing novelty to me, and I love messing around with it. Yeah. But to those people, but there are a lot of people, especially you know when I'm on you know these message boards for this old stuff, and usually there I 
or or even like my dad is this way. I was just like, why? Those were awful. We moved on from these for a reason. But yeah, if you're <laughs> you if know? you're one of those losers who likes cassette tapes, like 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 us, yeah. Well, not me. But <laughs> please, please. <laughs> I, like I don't, I don't own a single cassette tape. I have hmm. several. Um, oh yeah, you gave you you gave yours yours to me. They're gone. Mm. Um. You know, check this out. You can do really neat stuff with that. Like, I'm considering yeah. buying cassette tapes just because of how cool they can be. I don't want to listen yeah. to music on them, but they can do other neat stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I listen to music on them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do too for fun. Like Def Leppard's photograph. And I oh, have uh, George Harrison's uh, Cloud Nine featuring uh, the best song of the 80s uh, <laughs> set on you. Definitely it. better than I anything Billy Joel's ever written, if you ask me. Contentious. Write your angry letters to and I also Seth have the Zelensky. I also have the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack and cassette. As do you. I do. Yeah. I do. Mine sat in my car and it got but, a little you know, bit. I, I guess it's you son of a. <laughs> yeah, that sorry. was a limited edition. I know. <laughs> it's unfair of me to say that only losers collect cassette tapes because while I knocked my mom for not being able to use a DVD player, I yeah. hate DVDs. I only like VHS tapes, which yeah. is the same technology. I mean, yeah. in essence, just video versus audio. But yeah. I love VHS tapes. It's the only thing I want my movies on. In fact, I record things on VHS tapes still that are only available digitally because I don't want to watch them digitally. <laughs> but that's a yeah. whole other discussion entirely. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so sorry, uh, but, sorry, but, 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 cassette no, but, lovers. But we will get into that at a later date. I promise yes. one topic I want to hit on at some point is dead media formats. So, but, okay, so to cap off, you want to do favorite games. Yeah, favorite games. Can we take a quick break for first? Yeah, let's take a quick break. Yeah, let's do that. We'll take a real, real quick one. We'll be right back in about... Uh, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to you. We're back in as many commercials as you have. And we're back! <laughs> You're watching the most exciting game you will ever see on your TV set. Telstar by Coleco with three different games. Telstar Tennis with digital scoring, variable speeds. Telstar Hockey. Each player controls a goalie plus a forward on the other side. Oops, a goal. And Telstar Singles Handball, a game you play yourself. Telstar Handball, Tennis, Hockey. All three at an exciting low price. For great family fun, hitch your TV to a Telstar by Coleco. What's up, geeks? Just want to remind you that we do have a Geekiverse store for all shirts that are geek. We have the Geek and Proud, Peace, Love, Prosper, straight out of Arkham, and the Geek University tee if you like it simple and blocky like I do. Now, that's at thegeekiverse.storeenvy.com, or you can do it real simple. Go to the Geekiverse and click on the tab on the upper part of the webpage. It's real big. It's real easy to see. We thank you for supporting us, but for now, let's get to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to come up with, I, I came up with a game here uh, that I just made up at random in hopes of seeing what Nate's true knowledge of these games is. You know, uh, Seth and I, we're, we're interested in them sort of tangentially, I guess mm-hmm. I'll call it. Mm-hmm. But Nate is passionate about these games. Sincerely, yes. he has an entire room of his home dedicated to old technology, actually, which yes, is really does. cool. Very uh, much so. It's actually cooler than the Museum of Jurassic Technology in Los Angeles, to be completely honest. Well, yeah, I, w- I would prefer to walk into a room and think that I'm in 1984. Yeah. Yes, that's I, what I, I want. I took two trains to get to the Museum of Jurassic Technology, and it was nothing like Nate's room. 
Yeah, man, so. I could I could walk to Nate's room in 20 minutes. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this game is going to work like this. I looked up a couple of uh, unique systems from before the video game crash, mm-hmm. wondering if Nate has ever heard of them. A couple of them we've already touched on, so I know he has. So I'll just mention that they existed, and then we'll move on. Um, one of them is after the crash, just okay. because I think it's still sort of unique and interesting. That's fine. Before games really picked up. And then a series of Atari games. If Nate can tell me really anything significant about any of them, some I know he can because he did already mention them he's going to get a point we're going to see if Nate can get 10 points right now Seth you going to be our scorekeeper very well yes all right cool so we'll start with the systems all right the first one is the Fairchild Channel F from 1976 yep I know that one that's the first uh, video game system uh, first video game console with interchangeable programmable cartridges they were yellow all right. Yeah. <laughs> Ding. Is that one point or extra that's, points that's for point. identifying the color? No, he's okay. not going to get bonus. Because then he, he's going to tell me like 12 things about him and he's going to get a million points. Yeah, all right. right go on. The that's second one, one, and you may have mentioned this, I don't think you did, was the Epic Cassette Vision oh, or Epoch Cassette Vision if you read for a, me. That's a very early Japanese video game system uh, with, I don't even, very, very simple games. Big pixels. That's all, and it has weird knobs on it. Okay, the, yeah. the, the vague thing <laughs> yeah. that I have doesn't say anything about Japan, but the the weird knobs are definitely there. Yeah. So uh, two points, two points. Big Pixel sounds like it could be the name of a nerdy rap. I, fact, I think. Well, Big Pixel was Nate's nickname in college. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big Pixel. <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna skip this one. The other like little heard of one uh, from that era was the Vectrex. So we're gonna yeah. skip that. No I points there. One. Talked yeah. about that. The next one is. Do you own it? Either of the other two. No. Well, I know what he's getting for Christmas. Uh, the the one that is post-fall, uh-huh. post-NES, but I'm interested to know if you know, is the Atari Lynx. Oh, yeah. I used to have one, but I sold it. Oh. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> Trying to sell it to me. If it's, I uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really cool little machine. It's one of the... I think it's the first uh, handheld color um, yeah. yeah. Game. All right. And uh, it's very heavy and mm. very big and doesn't really fit in your pocket. Yeah. Handheld colored like is sure. really yeah. the key. It's the first colored handheld yeah. thing. Yeah. Based um, on one. Is yeah. is the um, Sega um, Game, Game Gear. Gear? Game Gear. That's the most successful, probably. Right. Mm. But, first, but, early but, successful. But Lynx came out two years earlier. Lynx came out in 89. 89. Game Gear came out in 91. Do you happen to know what year Epoch came out in or Epic came out in? 83. 81. <gasps> oh. But to be so fair, it was that... in Japan and Nate wasn't born. So, yeah. so that take we take away yeah. two points. Yeah, we that... take away. I think he's picked on a zero. Uh, <laughs> no, so Nate's at three points. Three right points. Now. Right. Yes. And now okay. from here on out, it's Atari games. Okay. Have you heard of them? Can you tell me yeah. anything about them? Uh, what this is is a list of Atari games. It's listed by uh, uh, a website uh, vgg.com as okay. great Atari games you've never heard of. Mm. Okay. The first one is Free the Falklands. <laughs> If you haven't heard of them, that's fine. We can do pass, and we'll just go on from there. I haven't heard of that okay. one. Okay. Next is Peebo Bryson's Cow Tipper. These are not real games. <laughs> these Wait are real minute. games. Homebrews. No, something? no, these no. are actual games. Now, some of them, and the next one is a perfect example, are so limited in their um, uh, release and scope that mm. they are almost legendary. The next one's an example: Typing Tutor. Typing Tutor. You're a smart man, I'll bet you can guess. I'll bet you can guess what it does. Yeah, well, it's a typing tutor. (laughs) You you are right, Nate. That is a point. It is a tutor to help teach you to type. Okay. Two tutors taught a tutor to two. (laughs) Next is Hands Across America. What? (laughs) Yep. They made a video game based on Hands Across America. Hands Across the Water. (laughs) Okay, for those who don't know, Hands Across America was a thing in the mid 80s, I believe, where they, uh, or maybe early 80s. 
where all, all these people all across the United States from yeah. coast to coast held hands. It was a gigantic <laughs> nationwide chain of people, and they held hands, and it raised money? Only one thing to note. This know. game predates the event by three years. Really? <laughs> wow. Now, how about this? We day? know about yeah. movies based we'll, we'll on video games. What about charity events based <laughs> on video games? We'll give you two points movement. if you can tell me anything about the company that made it. Flanavision. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait a minute. This is devolving into parody. <laughs> this is just a word document. This is document. a legitimate thing. This is a legitimate thing. All right, we're going to go well, Okay, wait, how many points does he have here? He's is only still three just three? Points. Okay, so he's not getting points, points taken away. You know, he only gets a prize. I only buy him one of those string of failures. Ten points. Okay. okay. That's what's going to determine if Nate gets a great Christmas present. How about Kramer versus Kramer? Is that a game about uh, getting Dustin Hoffman? The, ch- the custody of your child, something like it that? It absolutely is. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Tell me what video game it's similar to that we talked about extensively in this. Uh, Think about a child custody case. Space War? No, no. It's a child custody case where so one person wants a child, the other person wants the child. Only the background of it is a courtroom. Oh. Pong? Yes! <laughs> it is a oh! where the child is where bouncing the child back bounce? and forth. <laughs> Holy cow. There's a point. That's four points. What a trip. Wow. How about Mr. Paul's Fish Stick Hunter? That's <laughs> what <laughs> so I should have done for dinner. Can I, can I give you the synopsis of this? Please. In the doggy dog world of frozen fish sales, you fight for any advantage you can get. 1983, Mr. Paul's fish stick sales was down, and this titular Mrs. Paul was this this and the titular Mrs. Paul was looking for innovative oh sorry, it's Mrs. Paul. Innovative ideas to gain a stronger foothold in the fish-based foodstuffs market. It's literally a game to get more people to buy her fish sticks than other people's fish sticks. Okay. All right. We've got four more. The last one will be for all the marbles. Space Cobbler. Space Cobbler. Space Cobbler. Um, no, that's a game where you... Um, oh, jeez, jeez. You, you play got, as a you, retired Daniel Day-Lewis no, 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 no. in space. No, you got to get out of space, back home... So you can take your cobbler out of the oven. No, 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 no. You actually repair shoes in space. Oh, no. And believe it or not, A there were two. kind of there cobbler. Were, <laughs> there were two of these games. Space cobbler one, space cobbler two? Yes. All right. How about this one? Punch buggy. Punch, punch buggy, no punch back? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I imagine it's based on that. It is based on that. So there's right. a point. You okay. punch your virtual sibling in the arm. Uh-huh. When you see a bug appear on the screen versus other types of cars. That's in it. The, okay. The link. Good. Is that four points? That's four points. Uh, now we have two more. Uh, I had more than that. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> We have two more. But, well, well, the last one's going to be worth all the marbles. Oh, right. Uh, right. It's going to be double or nothing. Uh, double or nothing, one. I see. All right. How about this one? Using our, our shared knowledge of the Muppets mm. and your general knowledge of words. Okay. How about Emmett Otter's jug band Motocross? <laughs> <laughs> Motocross on the frozen river um, because now in the storyline they're all uh, rich and famous from the little yeah, frog. Dude, uh, dude, it's an Atari game. What storyline? <laughs> like, it's Well, I'm just saying the premise of the game. Oh, okay. Understood. understood. Right. No, no, no. It is, it is, you are correct. It is on the frozen river. Yeah. It is those characters racing each other. But keep in mind, the Riverbottom Nightmare Band had that sweet snowmobile they drove and pulled oh, the, yeah, the snake right, behind right. mm-hmm. so or the fish behind so mm-hmm. um so that is who you're 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 racing against basically is the river mm-hmm. bottom nightmare band okay. all right last but not least so you now have five points so okay. this last one is double or nothing okay okay, sure. okay. 
You can tell me what the game is about, but you can double your points and win the all 10 points if you tell me what makes this game unique in video game, well, technology history. Mm-hmm. Bosom Buddies. <laughs> it was the first video game to feature cross-dressing as a main feature. <laughs> well, that's a great answer. Can it's I say totally it's the first wrong. video game based on a TV show? It is not the first one based on a TV show. Um, okay, at TV least, show at least, starring Tom Hanks? At least not as far as I know. Uh, it is, in fact, a game based on the TV show. It's a basically dodge falling items video game. Oh. But what makes it unique is that February 9th, February 9th, 1983, it is the first day that a robotic arm became the first non-human to score more than a million points in a video game was oh. playing Bosom Buddies. Really? Oh, see, I should have guessed. Should've you should have. I mean, you were so close <laughs> with the cross-dressing thing. But anyway, so you do not get 10 points. I am not buying you one of those systems for Christmas. Oh, but better luck rats. next time. Maybe your he listening audience... Guys, if your listening bad. audience really loves Uncle Nate and you want him to have uh, <laughs> perhaps uh, either that you know F console or the Epic console, um, just send money to, mm-hmm. you know... Yeah. Well, Seth is oh, waving at my wife, but he, yeah. him raising his hand meant Seth, yeah. send money to Seth. Yep, send money to Seth. And then yeah, yeah, I'll take me. that money. I yeah. will use it to buy Sherman a new bed. Sherman's my dog. <laughs> he's a basset hound. He's and he's adorable. he's from the heavens, I tell you, folks. Well, what but, can I say? Uh, so, yes, now let's transition back into the last act of the show, shall we, Nathan? Now you'll... All right, welcome back, folks. This is going to be the last segment. Uh, we are wrapping up today, talking about what uh, some of our favorite games are from this era. A lot of us have done a lot of exploration into this era of video mm-hmm, games, mm-hmm. whether through collecting or just sort of exploring on computers or compilations for different consoles. Certainly. Um, and, uh, yeah, tell me about mm-hmm. it, Seth. Well, for me, um, I... Uh, yeah, I would say um, I've developed most of these favorites through actually playing on a console, whether it be on my own or uh, being introduced to them through you, Nate. Um, mm. As far as single-player games go, Kaboom is uh, is an, in- <laughs> an, an intimidating, nerve-wracking, but always a favorite of mine. Um, and uh, Breakout, I, I, I've always just loved the simple, you know, Arkanoid breakout format you know pong mm-hmm. variations uh it was it are always appealing to me so breakout and super breakout yeah. miss pac-man as we noted earlier great yeah. evolution of the you know the lackluster pac-man port for atari oh yeah um defender okay, is great too. defender is great um i love i love yeah. the the gameplay system for that and really? uh in yeah just just the kind of of shooting the ships and rescuing people and everything and and plus the title defender i just always like defender you know the netflix yeah. show defenders i just oh. like the term defender mm-hmm. um it's you a like great it's a great ubiquitous superhero-ish term yeah i think it's good because mm-hmm. because seth um has been accused of being an offender so many times that defender mm-hmm. probably makes him yeah it's I, yeah so it's very personal to me in that right, way so it cuts deep mm-hmm. and uh uh, and uh, Defender has a great sort of modern day remake in the P- uh, PS4. Oh, yeah, Resogun. Mm-hmm. Resogun is a wonderful modern great. Defender. And um, Barnstorming. Uh, <laughs> I love Barnstorming. That's just great, kind of just, you know, pattern memorization, just exciting kind of reflex thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, guiding a biplane over and under uh, uh, barns and everything. And um, and then a few, a uh, couple of the multiplayer games. As we knew it earlier, Warlords. 
was the, the reigning champion multiplayer game for us in college. We played it a lot in college. We played four-player paddle controllers. Lord, 2006, yeah. we played a lot there was, of There's nothing like getting four people together to play Warlords. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, again, an iterative of the, of the Pong dynamics, mm-hmm. mechanics. And uh, just, you know, you have the four castles in the four corner of the screen. And you just, you know, break each other's castles down. It's so incredibly fun. And um, and I also uh, really love Air Sea Battle. Um, yeah, that's that a re- that's a really Yeah, that's a really great game with a lot of great variations um, that Nate introduced me to. Uh, uh, between, uh, yeah, fighting between the sea and between the air. You pick a side and then you can... It's, it's just really fun to... Shoot at the other person uh, from the air, from the sea, and uh, evade or you know do whatever. Yeah, we you have can, a lot so. of fun with that game. That yeah. game is a, it, it is so so simple, but yeah, trust us, it's so much fun. Absolutely. So yeah, th- th- those are basically the bulk of my favorite Atari games. What about yeah. you, Drew? Uh, well, I mean, as I say, Stampede will forever stand out in my mind Stampede. as the game mm. that just attracted me to the concept of Atari. Yes. I had a better system. Again, I always use that. You can't see that I'm air quoting, but uh, but I am, you know, I had a better system in the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis and all that. Mm. But Stampede just really struck me in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after that, I mean, there's no other Atari games that really jump out and say, I really like it with two exceptions. The first is uh, Lock and Key or Lock and Chase? Lock and Chase. Chase. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Lock and Chase, the reason it's appealing to me is because it was almost a better Pac-Man, I'm going to say, for the Atari, at least. Oh, yeah. For the Atari. The idea of Lock and Chase is basically a Pac-Man, but you can shut off doors to block out the ghosts, which are police. In this case, you're a burglar. Um, uh, There's just a real appeal to adding an element of uh, tactic that Pac-Man lacked. Um, and I think that kind of speaks to my interest in this genre, or my lack of interest in this genre now, is that tactical idea. When it's just vague repetition, I kind of lose focus. Yeah. Uh, the other one is, and this ties into the storytelling piece, Wizards of War. I mentioned it earlier. Oh, I played Wizards of War, and Wizards of War is basically a game where you just wander through a maze and shoot some things. Yeah. Almost a precursor to Gauntlet in that way, in that yeah. you're just kind of going yeah. through a corridor. The corridor, however, doesn't change, but the villains do. Some appear yeah. and disappear. Some of them are different types of villains that do different things and affect you differently. Sort but of like what... uh, Gauntlet with, with, without the RPG elements. Right, the right. There was no and, RPG and, aspect and, and to it. Health point. Sounds yeah. right up my alley, personally. But yeah. the uh, but Not the thing RPG. that yeah. really <laughs> drew me in on Wizards of War was the story. And the story doesn't reveal itself in the game. You have to read it on the box or online or whatever else. There's Gar Wars and there's Thor Wars yeah. <laughs> and there's the Wizards of War and there's a Warlock and just the W O R L O C K. And just that idea that something as simple as pixels could have a great story to me speaks yes. to my interest in anything of that era. You know, I'm amazed by the early innovations of computer and video game creators. And yeah. then you go to a spot where eh, the basics were there. You just had to make something interesting. Mm-hmm. So what did they do? They came up with a story. No, you can't see it on the screen, but you can hear it in the arcade version speaking to you. You can mm-hmm. read it in the booklet. And even early, I mean, my favorite, absolute favorite game of all time is Legend of Zelda for the NES. You read the story in the pamphlet. Yeah, it scrolls it on the screen, yeah. but the more detailed story is in the pamphlet. Yeah. Yeah. And Wizards of War is the same thing. And I think what appeals to me still to this day about that game is, yeah, I might just be doing the same thing over and over and over in repetition. But I'm making up a story in my mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I, while it's not of the era, that same idea, I do need to express the game that has affected me more than any other, King's Bounty for MS-DOS 1990. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you, I'm not going to go into how that game all works, but literally I, I come up with my own, you know, board games and card games and stuff for fun just as an idea. Yeah. I come up with Dungeons and Dragons storylines. I come up with all sorts of concepts. All of it is based on King's Bounty from 1990. Wow. If you've ever played um, uh, Heroes of Might and Magic Quest for the Dragonbone Staff, it is the exact same game as King's Bounty just updated for the PlayStation. Huh. So mm. I know it's the wrong era, but I've never been as impacted by any video game medium as that game huh. it inspires all the stories i write it even inspires some of the music that i write just that game huh. and it's not even a good storyline it's just the yeah. concept i'd never seen anything like it before mm. it amazed me huh that's oh. awesome i I, I gotta look that one up i i yeah. never i don't know much about King floppy disk game that my dad got oh, yeah, for a dollar at a precursor to black friday's house nice <laughs> nice nice what do you got, Nate? Well, some of your favorites. Mine, I mean, you know, I like probably a, an extensive list. I, really I like a lot it, of the but... standbys. You know, like uh, I like um, uh, like you're... Robotron 2084. I love that. Yes, the twin stick, the twin stick shooters. I love those. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Donkey Kong. I'm a big fan of that one. Yeah. Um, I had. Uh, I, I'm Ms. really Pac-Man. Yeah, Miss Pac-Man and Cubert. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Space Invaders a lot. A lot of people mm-hmm. will look at that today and sort of think um, like it's kind of dull. But for some reason, there's like a real deliberateness to it, like this the sort of the thudding, the bump, 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 and the and sort of the more methodical approach to an action game. I don't know. I find it very calming, and I really and I return to it often. Calming, Space Invaders. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. Isn't it weird? You wouldn't yeah. think so, but yeah. but but I do find it that way. Yeah. It's, but you so, talk about seeing your ma play that so long, like there yeah, is an be. early childhood yeah. memory. Ah, of that. Yeah. Oh, we're making connections, oh. discoveries on the memory machine. Yes, um, classic nostalgia. Yeah, is that's that's the name of my game personally. Oh yeah, but 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 a couple I want to talk about uh, a little bit more in in, uh, in depth. Uh, two that maybe are sort of off the beaten path. One is Zookeeper. Uh, mm-hmm. That only Based was on in the, the Kevin arcade. James movie. Uh, no, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, you oh. don't have a funny name like Paul Bart or anything like that either. Paul uh. Bart, Paul Bart. Um, What's the point? But uh, I know. But Zookeeper is a fun little game where you're a zookeeper. Turns out, and hey. you ha- you run around a perimeter that's a box, and as you run around, it builds up bricks that keep animals in, and the animals keep trying to attack the bricks to escape. Mm-hmm. And then once the animals escape. You can catch them with a net if it happens to come up as a bonus thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's interstitial levels that sort of act like a Donkey Kong sort of thing, except you're jumping up platforms instead of climbing through ladders. Yeah. Um, but I love that one. Uh, and another one I'd like to talk about that's a little bit off is uh, <laughs> well, a little, little bit off the beaten path, a little less obvious. Not say. off in the sense of the early Atari games that were wildly inappropriate. No, no, <laughs> no, not For those of you who don't know, there, yeah, there was a time <laughs> there, was a... there was a time before censorship, essentially. Well, well, <laughs> they were censored in that you had to ask for them specifically, and some guy would give that them to you. That was the version of Pac-Man that was hidden behind the counter. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, there were... There were P-A-C-K I mean, man. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, Nintendo games, Atari games, uh, for being several pixels only, mm-hmm. there were some pretty inappropriate games yes, but, sorry market, so but we won't go into those there. Half off the beaten path yes yes uh well i mean less obvious let's say uh which would be obvious to people who are commodore enthusiasts but uh to most people that's not most people yeah. so uh uh but i really love one called sword of fargoal and it's this game if you're familiar with roguelikes it's one of the very earliest that wasn't completely obtuse so you had earlier kind of things like Temple of Apshai or Telengard 
but they were either crushingly difficult or required some abstract use of like a book to help you through it. But Sword of Fargo was so neatly contained. Um, it, if you don't know how roguelike functions, uh, it's you control a little guy and he walks through randomly generated mazes that sort of act as a dungeon and you find treasure and kill monsters and gain experience and mm. and whatnot. But it's just so perfectly contained and um, it's really, uh, it's just so streamlined in a way that hadn't happened before. And of course it's been, you know, updated and streamlined even more since, you know, things like uh, Diablo or yeah. uh, whatever, NetHack, even NetHack. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but there's just uh, but there's just something about the little game, especially with the chunky Commodore sixty four graphics, you know, yeah. that I find really appealing, and mm. I return to it frequently. And that yeah. is a great game. Yeah. So wow. But yeah, so that's some it. that's our favorites. So hopefully, uh, you guys might check a few of those out. See if you uh, have any of yours. Would like to open it up to the community. If any yes. of you guys, uh, if you made it to the end of this, yeah, hey. good for you. You uh, communicate if, with us. If you yeah. made it to the end of this, like you, you don't have a life. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that or you work really long hours without talking to anyone. <laughs> um, hey, in in other news, which I, I do, like, and I do. Yeah. yeah. So, so if you're like me and Seth. Oh, uh, that's then, what happens. Uh, yeah, tell us uh, what you thought about this. Tell us about any memories yeah. you have of this era, if it's something you care about or sure. if it's something you don't care about. Either way, yeah. tell uh, we, us. We, we, we'd like to read your responses on, on the air if we could. At, at maybe a certain later date, maybe next week, maybe in two In fact, weeks I now. think we can venture to say, yeah. if you uh, tweet at either of us, and we'll get you our Twitter handles, if you tweet at us, mm-hmm. we will... Uh, list your response on the yep. show because yep. I don't reckon there will be that many if any. Right, yeah, because so, that's the first one. <laughs> yeah, and yes. if anyone listening wants to buy Nate a Fairchild uh, Channel F, you can get them on eBay for as low as $120. Yeah, so, so if there's a so, generous donor out there who wants to buy one for a video game fan, or honestly I know this is like a, a weird plug to make like, uh, but Nate is sincerely like, if you're one of those people who has like an old video game collection, like where do I just donate this because I want someone who appreciates it? It's it's Nate. Yeah. So yes, if you have old me. video games that you're not looking to sell, but you just say, like, I want someone who cares, uh, Nate Lockhart. He'll drive to pick it up as well. He will. I will. I will. I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it. Uh, but yeah, so uh, so thanks for listening. Yeah, so... Um, uh, if, yeah, so let's get into plugs. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, we've got, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff going on developing here at the Geekiverse. We've got a number of other uh, podcasts. Uh, we have a Geek of Thrones, a Game of Thrones podcast. We have Geek's Got Game, the video, general video game podcast. Um, we have Walking Carpet, a recurring Star Wars podcast. Uh, a number of other things. We have uh, some recurring uh, written and video segments. Uh, me and Nate are going to be bringing back regular geek plays. We're going to be doing we- weekly mm-hmm. geek plays uh, in the mo- beginning of the month of September. Me and uh, Josiah Leroy have been uh, doing some newer games. Me and Nate are going to go back a bit, do some maybe some old stuff, maybe some indie stuff, and uh, stay tuned for that. It'll be very exciting. But in the meantime, uh, for me for me personally, you can find me on Twitter at Cap Americanski. Uh, I believe there's only one other person in this room who is on Twitter, and that person yeah. is Nate. Immerse with me. You can <laughs> follow me at Nate, N-A-T-E underscore Lockhart, L-O-C-K-H-A-R-T. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tweet about old stuff. You certainly and, do. And uh, get angry about the world. So, <laughs> so yeah. follow me there. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, and yeah, so that's pretty much it. Uh, Drew, do you have anything to plug? I literally have no social media. That's if, okay. No, if you no, want to follow me, that's no. okay. Plug but, your... Uh, yeah, what I do have is uh, is a website that I'm adamant about, LockCityGleeClub.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be you know changing names soon, potentially, but uh, I direct a men's choir in Lockport that's existed for over 50 years. Nate is a member of that. Mm-hmm. Seth has helped us out with some projects in the past. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm a choir choral music director and i'm really passionate about bringing that to my students and the community in general so if you are from uh, the, the general lockport area please do check out lockcityglee.club.org yeah yeah it's a lot of fun we sing a lot of cool songs check Drew's it out a great director well, yes so. at least i wave my arms around a lot and that's important <laughs> it works i watch them <laughs> um but thanks for joining us everyone for the first the inaugural the amazing Ooh. memory machine fantastic thank uh, you so much for joining us everybody. yeah thanks so much wait and, i have an important uh, question uh, what, we might have to redo this whole ending i don't know yeah. um is seth a regular memory machine host or is it just nate and we're both guests uh, uh, it's mostly that you two are guests. I'm mm-hmm. the host. I'm the master. I control this. Yeah. So is this Back like off. whose line is it anywhere? Where like Seth's Wayne Brady. So he appears pretty frequently, but not every episode. And like I'm That's, Brad Sherwood. I, where I, I would show prefer up, like, more of one a, out of four. Yeah. He is he is the master from Manos. I am Torgo, and yeah. I'll pop in now and again. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And am yeah. I the Mystery Science Three Thousand cast who just like <laughs> only appears in specific versions of it? Yes. Um, <laughs> no, you're one of the people who is making out in the car that they keep coming yes, back. That so sounds yeah. Just like me. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. But anyway, so thanks a lot for listening, and uh, we should be back in a week or two, maybe? Yes. Love you, bye. Podcasts. Well, yeah, you they're don't, you stupid don't... and boring, and it's people sharing ideas I don't care about. <laughs>